This is the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestinenti. And each week, we will go on a journey, a journey that will inspire you, motivate you, and help you be the very best you can be. Our focus will be on mindset, tactics, and the strategies that will enable you to create more opportunities and win more deals. Welcome to another episode of the Scalable Growth Podcast. What? Hang on a second. Did you just say the Scalable Growth Podcast, Luigi? Yes, I did. Now, hang on. For every all my listeners who have been listening for years since we started this podcast, it was always called the Sales IQ Podcast. So why all of a sudden has the name changed? Because with anything, anything in life, change is something that is constant and change is what allows us to grow to be the very best we can be. And for myself included, I needed to change. I needed to find another way to be the very best I can be. So I've decided to make a big change. And that change is that I am now moving away from sales IQ into a new environment, a new world, a world where I can impact more and more people, not just from a sales perspective, but from a mindset perspective to help people be the very best they can be. And that's why the Scalable Growth Podcast has been created because we now form part of the Growth Forum community. And that is launching in February, 2023, which is super exciting. In the show notes, you'll be able to go and see, you pre-register for the Growth Forum community because what that's all about, I'm not going to tell you much today. I want you to go and check it out. And I will be talking a bit about that over the next couple of weeks. But I have been absent from the podcast. So sorry, I have had so many of you reach out, which is just awesome. It's awesome to hear how many of you we impact on a weekly basis in helping you in your journey of being the best you can be. And so I was being really humbled and it's been really awesome to get some some questions from you saying, hey, where, where have you been? Um, but we are back. We are back, back to one episode, possibly two. We'll talk about the second episode and how you can access that in the new year. But we are back. The Scalable Growth Podcast, we're going to take things to another level. We are going to create so much value for you each and every week to help you be the very best you can be. And this week, we're going back to basics. We have Michael Hansen, who is known for empowering B2B sales teams to have better conversations. He helps salespeople. He helps teams create more effective top of funnel strategies and tactics. And this is why this conversation for me is such an exciting conversation to share with you all because 2022 is almost over. Can you believe that? We've almost got to 2023. For most of us, we're probably grinding out, closing the last couple of deals that we have in our pipeline, and we're preparing for what is going to be a very, very exciting 2023. Even though you know a lot of the news, a lot of the negative energy is about how 2023 is going to be tough. And you know what? Yes, there's some macro things that are happening in the economy that you know from the surface is telling us that it's going to be a tough, tough economy. But this is why content like this, this is why thought leaders like Michael Hansen are people that we need to be engaging with. We need to be looking at because these are the tactics and strategies that can help us find and create more opportunities. And when times get tough, 
being able to self-generate, being able to go out there and create conversations is going to be the number one way for you to excel in any economic environment. So this is going to be an awesome episode. Michael is going to share some incredible tactics with us today. But you know what's making me so excited about 2023 is because we've got so much stuff to be sharing with you and we are really putting our best foot forward to bring you some incredible thought leaders, some incredible content. And so Michael is going to bring some incredible tactics and strategies to help you create more opportunities and turn 2023 into the best year yet. Welcome to the show, Michael. Cheers, Luigi. Great to uh, great to be here. Glad we're we're finally on it. Yeah, man. It's been a while, mate. I've um, been listening to your content for a while. Obviously, we work um, with with a client together, um, doing different things. So it's good to sort of actually connect and talk all things outbound, mate. So thanks for jumping on the Sales IQ podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Let's have a good good conversation today. Well, mate, before we jump into the topic and talk all things outbound and how to run an effective outreach strategy, can you just tell us a bit about your origin, um, your origin story, mate? Where did you come from and how did you fall into this particular world of, of selling and with a focus on on running outreach? Yeah, I think it's it's like most people. I wasn't like at university thinking, oh, I really want to get into uh, into sales. Um, but um, as, as I said, I actually worked in politics for a while um, and then uh, I kind of got into tech. I was originally in account management, so like a bit of a, a sales role um, and then was in marketing and then and then sales and then kind of where I learned um, a lot of what I do before uh, before I set up my own business I was in kind of the world of like outsource SDR services so the world of like SDR agencies I was at a company where I joined employee 10 helped grow them to, to over 200 people and when I actually realized that doing outbound I think is one of the hardest bits of sales and yet we give it to the least experienced person in the team, right? Often an SDR is like 21 year yeah. old, it's their first job outside of university. So I really became passionate around the, the enablement side. So both like training and coaching like you do and then playbooks and, and cadences. Um, so that's essentially how, yeah. I, uh, how I set up the business because I think that, yeah, there's a big gap. I think a lot of people think, oh yeah, SDR is easy. Just make a few calls, make a few emails, we'll get meetings. But as you know, Luigi, it's not that easy. So that's how uh, growth genie came about yeah awesome it's a pretty cool story man and i love it how you've actually identified quite early that you know the sdr function as important as it is we often put the most inexperienced people in that role to call the most important assets a business have which is is, is the customer base right um and for a lot of companies they kind of put them through a bit of a boot camp give them a lot of product knowledge little bit of sales skills, maybe a script, sales engagement platform, and they say, off you go. Um, but the reality is, if I look at the changes that have happened in selling over the past sort of 20 years, I'm a bit older than you, mate, I'm 40, but I have been doing this my whole life. There's a whole lot of new skills that we as sales professionals have had to build on, like, you know, writing emails in a way that is a little bit persuasive in a way that can engage our audience to trigger them to take action. We've got to think about omni-channel. We've got to think there's a whole lot of different, you know, personal brand, posting content. In my view, it's become a lot harder purely because the world of tech is just completely overwhelming our prospects, right? So I, I absolutely agree with you that potentially we're setting ourselves up to fail by putting very young and inexperienced people in that role. But 
if you are finding yourself or if you found yourself in that role and you're sitting here going, well, yeah, I am one of those people or I'm down the other end of the spectrum, right? I'm, I've been doing this for a long time, but there's all this change that's happening. I'm actually struggling now to pick up the phone. I'm, I'm struggling with a bit of core reluctance or I'm not getting the outcomes I need to from my outreach. Would love to hear your, hear your perspective on what sellers can do to actually reframe the way they're going to market so they can get more from their outreach activity. Yeah, I think the, the first thing to do is, because you mentioned something there, core reluctance is actually work on your mindset for, for calling. And I think belief is something mm. that's not really talked about a lot in sales, but like believing in what you sell and like thinking about what's the mission and vision of our company and like how are we trying to help people? And even like having a conversation with leadership or your CEO about that, um, about the impact you're trying to have on people and even like listening to your customer stories, right? Because that's gonna psych you up and be like, oh, I'm part of this thing that's actually great. We're trying to have a, a positive impact on people. So with me, it's the stories of, you know, sales reps that we've worked with who've like been promoted in their yeah. careers and they're really happy in their job. So I think about that before I make a cold call because I like everyone. Sometimes I get a bit of, you know, fear. I get that, that cold call fear. So that's something to, yeah. to think about. And then the other thing is to detach from the outcome, right? So you hear a lot of people talk about this, but when you pick up the phone, don't think I need to get a meet. If someone answers, I need to get a meeting from it because they'll smell your desperation. Just think, I want to get to know this person. I'm going to see if they have the challenges that we help solve. If they do, then I'm going to present our solution and book a meeting. But if they don't, that's yeah. fine. I'm going to move on to the, to the next person. So those are two things to think about, like why are you making that cold call? And then also not attaching your self-worth and too much importance to the result of it. Yeah, that's really interesting. So obviously having belief in the product that you sell and understanding the true impact your product or service has on the people that you're serving. And then second, the second component to that is detached from the outcome. And we do hear this a lot, but I think where the challenge comes when we talk about detaching from the outcome is nobody likes that, that rejection piece. Nobody likes to call someone, right? And for the call not to go down the path that they want, not get the outcome or sending emails that aren't getting any replies or posting content that's not getting any likes or comments, right? So I think we all we all can suffer from that feeling of, well, you know, what am I doing that might not be working? So just talk to us a little bit about, you know, how what you've done to work through that, you know, detaching from the outcome, but actually limit the way that that makes you feel when you're not getting the result that you're looking for. Yeah, so we actually, we have this whole modular growth journey which we call selling with with less ego, which we, we run salespeople yeah. through. And essentially yeah. that being attached to the outcome, that comes from desire, which is basically your desire to book a meeting, to close a sale. And the antidote to that is curiosity. So when you, even before you pick up the phone, right, knowing who you're calling, as much detail as possible on that. Um, and then when you pick up the phone, being curious about the other person, asking a question from a genuine place of curiosity because you wanna know the answer versus asking a question because you wanna lead them down a rabbit hole, right? So, and the genuine curiosity yep. comes from, I genuinely wanna know if this person has these challenges because I know for a fact that we've helped other people like that. Um, in the past. So I think that curiosity yeah. is, uh, I think yeah. when we work with salespeople, there's kind of like two traits that we see are really important. One is the curiosity, and then two is like the persistence. 
And sometimes when you do the persistent, yep. some people think, oh, you're just harassing people. But if you're doing it from a curious place, then your messaging is going to be much better. Okay. So can you maybe just walk us through this, right? Because I think, I, I love that. I love that the, 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 the thinking about this, like actually having a level of curiosity because I think great sellers, that's what they do so well. Um, they have conversations, they're curious, they ask really great insightful questions that really open up the opportunity. But obviously if we're ringing somebody, um, they're not expecting our call, they might not even be aware that the problem exists. Talk us through how we can frame up, like now let's talk tactics, right? Talk us through how do I frame up that narrative so I can actually get the prospect to hear what I've got to say first. Yeah, so the the first thing to think about is what's your trigger. So to kind of explain this is whenever you contact someone cold, right? So whether that's an email, LinkedIn, yep. uh, call, yep. the first thing they think when they open the email, pick up the call is, I don't know this person, why the hell are they contacting me? Mm. So you've got to address that straight away, which yep. is essentially your reason yep. for getting in touch. And that's always got to be about them, not, yep. hey, we're Growth Genie Sales IQ, this is what we do. It's more about, I noticed this about you, right? So at a deep level, that can be about their company. Like one we use is, hey, notice you're, you're hiring SDRs at the moment or you're growing your sales team, right? Um, is that correct? That could be like an opener we use. Um, or because I get there's there's almost the other end of it now where oftentimes SDRs don't pick up the phone and they do too much research. So they're like, oh, I noticed we went to the same school and there. Yeah. So you, you don't need to go overboard. You just need one thing um, to do. And that's your reason for getting in touch, right? And then based on yeah. in terms of like the curiosity and the questions, then it's like, okay, if I'm reaching out to this, in our case, right, it's a chief revenue officer. He's hiring SDRs. What are some... Um, challenges he may be facing and how can I ask him questions to try and uncover those challenges? So like in our case, it's, you know, I, I noticed you're a CRO. What I'm hearing from a lot of other CROs is they're getting so much spam. They get like a hundred sales emails a week. So imagine how difficult it is for your yeah. sales team to break yeah. through all that noise and be different. And then there's the probing question, mm -hmm. right? How are you training your sales team to break through that noise? And our probing question, we recommend being a how or a what question because they can't answer it yes or no and they, they, need to, they need to open up with it. Yep. Okay, so you lead with the problem. So you leverage something about them, an attribute about their role, a hiring. So you're looking at a trigger, then you lead with the problem and then you ask a probing question to sort of start the conversation. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So um, what's a slight difference between like a cold call and an email is generally on an email, if you ask that question, like how are you training your team? It's email's not that interactive. So with email, it may be slightly different. Yep. It may be like interested in this, right? So you're trying to dangle some kind of carrot in front of them. In our place, mm. case, it's like interested in this cadence that has helped other CROs like increase their reply rate. Um, but if it's a cold call, yeah. you're trying to get them to open up and have a conversation. So that's where those probing questions can be really effective. Okay. So what you're doing in your email cadence or in your email is you're actually giving them some sort of value by showing them something that could trigger them to say, actually, this might this might work for us. Yeah, exactly. The, the purpose of an email is just to get them to reply. Like you're not yeah. gonna get like a, you can have a really good cold call where someone gives you like a one, two minute answer. You can't get mm. that type of information normally over email. So you're just trying to get them to reply and say, yes, yeah. this is interesting. You know, what I find interesting about this, right, is 
like I love your structure and I, and, and I follow a very similar structure. I've got to have a reason. I've got to have some sort of trigger. And I look for two. I look for either a macro trigger, so something that's either happening in the industry that could be affecting that particular company. Um, and then I go, I try to go a level deeper. So uh, personalizing it for them, making it relevant for their role, whether it's a KPI or a key result area that I know that's important to them. Um, I try to shy away from the whole, hey, we went to the same school. <laughs> um, you know, we follow the same. I, I know that some people are, are fans of that, but I actually don't, I don't like that practice um, purely because I'm like, I've been on the receiving end and I'm like, well, you've, I can see this is an automated email that you've snippeted something from my profile. Um, and you actually, for me, that has no relevance to why you're even reaching out. Like, you're trying to sell, talk to me about cybersecurity and you're telling me we went to the same school. Like, help me understand how those two are connected, right? So I think I like what you're talking about, looking for the trigger, having a reason for call. How do you work through the, the fact that most people, when they are getting that call because they're not ready for it, they're doing something else, they might not hear what you've initially said and they push you off. What's your strategy to work through that? Because this is what I hear a lot from sellers is this is where the whole call can kind of get, get unstuck is when they get that barrier, they get a bit nervous and they kind of go, you know, completely lose the call. Yeah, this is where um, like listening comes in really important because the only things you can control is obviously what you're saying. You can't control what the other person says, mm. but you can control how you respond to it. So while you're making calls, I recommend like having a, a notepad and like a pen next to you, or it can be like a digital yeah. notes, right? And like, as they're speaking, working out what they say. So if you get, if they give you some type of objection, like, oh, now's, now's not the right time, right? Say, so, oh, understand, now's not the right time. Like, what are you working on at the moment, right? So it's that basically yeah. repeating what they say and it shows you're listening, right? Because what a lot of salespeople do, I can give you the example, oh, this isn't interesting because actually we're using a competitor of yours and it works really well. Oh, great to hear you're using a competitor. Yeah. Like what's, yeah. work, what's working well with a competitor? Why did you sign up with them in the first place? So often when they give you those objections, actually using it as an opportunity yeah. to like yeah. have a conversation with them. So I think that's what salespeople, when something yeah. happens, it's unexpected. They're like, oh, this is bad, but you can actually use it as a good thing just by kind of recapping what they're saying. Yeah, that's right. Cause you kind of, you're not, you're not working against them. Right. And this is where I see call six and sometimes go bad is we push back against what they've initially said versus just accepting um, the fact to say, that's great. You know, great to hear that you're doing X. Um, so, so I really like that. Um, but how do we get like, again, in your opinion, how do you, when you're thinking about the problem statement, because I think this is again where a lot of sellers can, can get unstuck, how do you define what that problem looks like and making sure that it's, it's a problem that the majority of your prospects are having? I re really like this question. Um, I don't think people often frame it in that way because I think where this question's leading, which is great, is have a pain that's as specific as possible um, because mm. essentially often what I see, right, is like, let's say our industry, like sales leaders, chief revenue officers, whatever. It's like, oh yeah, yep. you're, you've got a problem that you're not hitting targets, revenue. It's like, it's too vague. You want to get like very specific. Mm. So it's like the problem I mentioned earlier, which is, oh, you're a C-level person. You're probably receiving a hundred sales emails a week, most of which are automated and garbage. Yep. 
how are you training your team to stand out from that, right? So that's obviously something that's a lot more specific. Mm. And then the other thing to bear in mind is if you're like an account executive that's closing, or even if you're an SDR, speak to your account executives. And on all the calls, sales calls that you're having, think about what are the common themes that come up. So the one I mentioned from mm. speaking with sales leaders all the time, I know that's one I hear a lot. Like I'm getting so much spam, like how are my SDRs gonna stand out amongst all this noise, right? Yeah. So because I heard that, then I put it into our talk track. So like everything's related. So like the, the demo calls your AEs have customer success. If there are pains that are coming up over and over again, those are the ones you wanna talk about in your cold calls. Okay, so you're actually pulling intel from conversation the business is having with other prospects to validate the problem statement that you are leading with, which is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, because I, I think this is, and, and again, this I think this is a great opportunity, right? Because a lot of companies have gone down the path of building their ideal customer profile and they have a buyer persona. But just because we have a copy of a buyer persona and we read it, we don't truly understand the, the next level impact. And we kind of see it on face value and we look at this persona and go, well, I understand that somebody's done the work for me. And I think there's actually some major benefit for sellers to go and hear those conversations. Um, and I always advocate to sellers that when you're building your buyer persona, when you want to get a deeper learning, don't be afraid to reach out to some of your prospects and say, hey, you know, even on LinkedIn's a great place. I'm actually new to this role. I'm trying to learn more about this particular um, function so that I can better serve, you know, my prospects would it be okay if I asked you some questions about your role and then actually ask some specific questions about that persona to get a true understanding of how does that problem impact them? Not just the fact that they can't cut through, like you're saying, the CRO, how are they standing out? But what does that lack of standout mean? How does it impact the middle of the funnel? How does it impact the bottom of the funnel? How does it impact turnover? How does it impact marketing spend, cost per acquisition? Like, and all of a sudden now, we're really getting a deeper understanding of how that problem kind of impacts the entire funnel. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's really great advice about speaking, yes, yeah, speaking to the people you're trying to reach out to, right? And ask, oh, can I ask you a few questions doing market research? And I think, there's a big, with what you're talking about here, like customer pains, there's a big problem in the market um, with, and this is like a marketing sales alignment thing. And I think both marketing and sales are actually mm. to, to blame with this, which is that often, so actually what we do writing sales playbooks, often marketing, funnily enough, does that, even though they're meant to be sales playbooks, but yep. marketing is just putting <laughs> messaging on there that they've essentially like read in a blog somewhere that's like out of date and isn't really relevant. Mm. But it's because the sales team yeah. aren't communicating yeah. with marketing and saying, in the last three months, this pain has come up again and again and again, and we need to be talking about it, right? Mm. And customer success is not doing that. So yeah. it's really important all these departments are aligned to say, hey, this, these are the main pain points that we're hearing across the business. Yeah, this is really interesting. So can you, and again, I'd love for you to run us through like, because obviously we're talking about the call, right? And we're talking about the problem statement and you know, how to leverage a call and then jumping into the email because I think another thing that is quite challenging for many sellers is they've got a sales engagement platform. They're popping in and it's running a cadence. Um, but can you just talk us through sort of what your cadence looks like when you're reaching out to a CRO um, 
how does it look like? Like, is it a one day, two day, three day, and then hold? Is it like, just talk us through that. And then how does the messaging change across the different channels? Like I know that you leverage WhatsApp. Um, I'm a big fan of WhatsApp as well. Um, but can you just talk us through how it changes and do you leave voicemails? Because I think these are, these are questions that a lot of sellers are asking because I know that contact rate is actually dropping now. It's getting harder to get people on that first call. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have, we have actually our most popular bit of uh, content is just 30 touch cadence. And I don't think it's because it's the best cadence in the world, but I think it, people are like, wow, 30 touches, <laughs> that's insane. Um, but that's yeah. essentially across, across uh, email, LinkedIn, uh, phone calls, and then it can also be like SMS or WhatsApp. I always give a caveat, you sometimes have to be careful with SMS, depending on region, there's different laws. But yeah, if we, if we yeah. look at day one, Day one, normally your first email is gonna be a personalized email, which is gonna go through the, the structure we yeah. mentioned. And like you said, with personalized, it's not around necessarily the, the, the individual, it can be at a company level. Notice this is happening at your company. You're opening a new office, you're launching a new product, whatever it is. Um, so that's in your first email. Uh, what we actually do first though, we're cool first. We still think the phone is the best way to reach someone because you can have a conversation with them. The problem, as you said, is most people don't pick up their phone. So you're gonna try call them. If they don't answer, you're gonna send them an email and then you're gonna send them a LinkedIn uh, connection request. So that's basically day one. And then how our cadences work, basically we space out every two days. You then give it a day gap. So it was a Monday. And then on the Wednesday, you contact them again. When it comes to email, we would just do a bump email, right? Which is saying, you know, any interest in that playbook template, if that was what we did on the first email. Yep. Bump emails get a lot of hate. Some people say they're lazy, but our data shows often you get you actually get more replies from the bump than like the original personalized message. And that can also be automated. So that's where a tool can come in, some type of sales engagement tool, um, and then give them a call again. And yep. then if they connect with you on LinkedIn, then we'd actually send them a voice note. So these are things that we're seeing work really well at the moment. Um, sending a voice note versus like a written message is getting a really good response rate. So there's a lot more steps in our cadence, uh, but those are essentially kind of like the first first few touches we would do. Yeah, awesome. Would you be open to sharing that 30 step cadence that we can put in the show notes for our listeners to actually check out? 100%, yeah, all our, all our content is open source. I'll send that to you after the call, Luigi. Fantastic, because I saw you post about it and I thought, you know what, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to be cheeky, mate, and ask you live on our show. That's pretty cool. So 30 touch cadence. That's really interesting. Um, and do you, have you got some data um, or have you seen data as in where, like, where across that 30 touch? Because I think some sellers would be like, their mind would be blown up right now, yeah, going 30 touches. <laughs> I'm stopping at 10 or I'm stopping at 15. Um have you got any data to show when is when are they most likely to engage in that cadence? Yeah, so again, good. And, and actually just going back a step, why did you decide to make it a 30 step uh, or 30 touch cadence? Yeah, so both great questions. So this, the story behind the 30 touch cadence, so I have a colleague called Lawrence and I actually brought him over from my, my last company. Um, he's yep. kind of an SDR, but he does loads of different things, but he's like the best person I've ever seen with Outbound and especially in terms of persistence. I was more of like a 10 touch guy, right? Kind of like you're saying, maybe like a few emails, you know, yeah. a few LinkedIn messages if they connect four or five calls. But I saw him and I was literally sick, forget 30, it was like 40, 50 touches. And he wasn't getting replies from people like, leave me alone. 
it was like, oh, sorry, I haven't got back to you. And I was like, okay, I think there's <laughs> there's something behind what this guy Lawrence is doing. He's a, a guy in his 50s, lives by the beach in Nicaragua. He's a real character. But anyway, so I learned a lot from him. And what we see with our cadences is that if you do these 30 touches, because as you said, there's a big resistance from sales teams to doing them. But the people that do them, they will typically get results either at the start because you've got two types of buyers. One is mm. like, I know I've got a problem. This is an urgent problem. I need help with it. And they'll kind of reply yeah. straight away. So yeah. like in your first touch of your email or your LinkedIn message or your, or your first call, they'll have a meeting with you. And then actually in the yeah. middle of the cadence, it's a little bit like no man's land. So you actually get lower conversions, but there's that awareness happening, which is like, oh, I'm quite enjoying this message. I'm not gonna yeah. say not interested because these are kind of problems, but they're not that urgent. And then the more content they're receiving from you and at a subconscious level, they're like, okay, I get this now. And then I think Lawrence, we used to, I think we used to do like seven emails. Now we're doing like nine emails and Lawrence gets actually some of his highest replies on like email eight or nine. Um, so that's what's quite interesting. You're seeing like most of the meetings coming either at the start of the cadence or the end of the cadence. Yeah, that's interesting. And are you putting any video in the cadence? Yeah, so video, video we really like. Video, we actually put email three. The reason we put it in email yeah. three is to send a video, you have to put a hyperlink and hyperlinks can get you sent to spam. So this is also a tactic I recommend yeah. for anyone listening. Even if you've got a link in the email signature, that can often get you sent to spam. Now, the way email servers work, email deliverability is a huge topic at the moment, but the way email servers work is that if it's a cold email and it's got lots of links, they may send you straight to spam, but if you send them an email, someone yeah. from their company opens the email, looks at it, even if they don't reply, it's saying, okay, this may be safe, so then the idea is they open one of your first two emails and then when you email them in the third email with a video, it's more likely to go into their inbox. That's why we put video as the third step in the cadence. Yeah, I love this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for our listeners, we had uh, Ricky, who is an email delivery expert, um, join us a few, maybe two or three weeks ago to talk about, you know, getting your emails in people's inboxes because I think that's one of the biggest challenges at the moment for a lot of sellers which you've highlighted so mate this has been great you talk about taking notes I've actually taken a whole bunch of notes and I think um you know the, the fact that we, I've, I've, like I said I've got a whole bunch of notes that I've even taken around this uh, and I love that I love the fact that you're talking about extending your cadence out making it a a, a, a cadence that it's not just about bumping in their inbox it's giving some value putting some content helping them become aware and just being persistent to a point where it's getting your success and, and i think there's a lot to take away from that right and you're also using an omni-channel approach and you're really modernizing the approach um, but the key thing that i've taken away is making sure the problem statement has been well researched and it's relevant for the person that you're reaching out to because otherwise then 30 touches is just all noise. So I really appreciate you sharing this. So Michael, I could talk to you for hours, mate, but uh, we're coming to the end of our podcast. Um, do you mind uh, sharing with our listeners where's the best place for them to find and engage with you? Yeah, probably me personally is uh, is LinkedIn. So if you LinkedIn search Michael Hansen uh, Growth Genie, yeah. that's how we, we got in touch. Luigi and I post uh, content uh, most days on LinkedIn all around the stuff we're talking about yep. today. Uh, and then um, if you want to learn more about Growth Genie, you can go to our website. It's growthgenie.co. Um, and then we've got loads of content on there, such as our, our sales cadences. So. Awesome. Well, mate, we want to say thanks for 
jumping on our podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to not just come to our podcast, mate, but share really relevant content for sellers um, and the contribution you make to the sales community is fantastic. So I want to say thanks for what you do for for the sales profession. Awesome. No, I appreciate that, Luigi. And yeah, same to you for, for having this this podcast. I see some of your uh, snippets. I think I messaged you recently a couple of cool ones that I saw. So. Thanks, mate.